chapter fifteen of all along the river this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. all along the river by mary elizabeth braddon chapter fifteen my life continues yours and your life mine they started by the eleven o'clock train from fowry next morning husband and wife in a strangely silent companionship isla very pale and still as she sat in a corner of the railway carriage with her back to the rivers and the sea naturally in a place of that kind they could not get away without being seen by some of their neighbours captain pentreath was going to bodmin and insisted upon throwing away a half-finished cigar in order to enjoy the privilege of colonel and mrs disney's society being one of those unmeditative animals who hate solitude he talked all the way to par lit a fresh cigar during the wait at the junction and reappeared just as the colonel and his wife were taking their seats in the up-train have you room for me in there he asked sacrificing more than half of his second cigar i've got the mercury jepps is in for stockumpton a great triumph for our side he spread out the paper and made believe to begin to read with a great show of application as if he meant to devour every syllable of jepps's long exposition of the political situation but after two minutes he dropped the mercury on his knees and began to talk there were people in fowry who doubted whether captain pentreath could read he had been able once of course or he could hardly have squeezed himself into the army but there was an idea that he had forgotten the accomplishment except in its most elementary form upon signboards and in the headings of newspaper articles printed large it was supposed that the intensity of effort by which he had taken in the cramming that enabled him to pass the ordeal of the examiners had left his brain a blank you're not going further than plymouth i suppose he asked we are going to london are you really now a bad time of year for london fogs and thaws and all kinds of beastly weather and then he asked a string of questions futile trivial vexing as summer flies buzzing round the head of an afternoon sleeper and then came the welcome cry of bodmin road and he reluctantly left them the rest of the journey was passed almost in silence they had the compartment to themselves for the greater part of the time and they sat in opposite corners pretending to read isla apparently absorbed in a book that she had taken up at random just before she started when the carriage was at the door and while allegra was calling to her to make haste it was carlyle's hero-worship the big words the magnificent sentences passed before her eyes like lines in an unknown language she had not the faintest idea what she was reading but she followed the lines and turned the leaf at the bottom of a page mechanically martin disney applied himself to the newspapers which he had accumulated on the way some at par some at plymouth some at exeter till the compartment was littered all over with them 
he turned and tossed them about one after the other never had they seemed so empty the leaders such mere beating the air the hard facts so few and insignificant he glanced at isola as she sat in her corner motionless and composed he watched the slender white hands turning the leaves of her book at regular intervals is your book very interesting he asked at last exasperated by her calmness he had been attentive and polite to her offering her the papers ordering tea for her at exeter doing all that a courteous husband ought to do but he had made no attempt at conversation nor had she this question about the book was wrung from him by the intensity of his irritation it is a book you gave me years ago at dinan she answered looking at him piteously hero worship don't you remember i had never read anything of carlyle's before then you taught me to like him did i yes i remember a little tauschnitz volume bound in morocco contraband in england a cheat like many things in this life he turned his face resolutely to the window as if to end the conversation and he did not speak again till they were moving slowly into the great station in the azure brightness of the electric light i have telegraphed for rooms at whitley's he said naming a small private hotel near cavendish square where they had stayed for a few days before he started for the east do you think it would be too late for us to call at hans place before we go to our hotel she started at the question he saw her cheeks crimson in the lamplight i don't think the lateness of hour will matter she said unless gwendolen is dining out she dines out very often i hope to-night may be an exception do you want very much to see her asked isola very much you are going to question her about me i suppose yes isola that is what i am going to do it is treating me rather like a criminal or at any rate like a person whose word cannot be believed i can't help myself isola the agony of doubt that i have gone through can only be set at rest in one way it is so strange a thing so impossible as it seems to me that you should have visited your sister while i was away although no letter i received from you contained the slightest allusion to that visit an important event in such a monotonous life as yours and although no word you have ever spoken since my return has touched upon it till all at once at a moment's notice when i tell you of your journey from london and the slander to which it gave occasion all at once you spring this visit upon me as if i ought to have known all about it you can ask gwendolen as many questions as you like answered isola with an offended air and you will see if she denies that i was with her in the december you were away colonel disney handed his wife into a station broom the two portmanteaux were put upon the roof and the order was given ninety-nine hans place for albeit mr hazelrig's splendid mansion was described on his cards and his writing-paper as the towers it is always as well to have a number for common people to know us by 
no word was spoken during the long drive from paddington no word when the neat little broom drew up in front of a lofty flight of steps leading up to a heidelberg doorway set in the midst of a florid red brick house somewhat narrow in proportion to its height and with overmuch ornament in the way of terra cotta panelling bay and oriel balcony and pediment a footman in dark green livery and rice powder opened the door mrs hazelrig was at home he led the way to one of those dismal rooms which are to be found in most fine houses a room rarely used by the family a kind of pound for casual visitors sometimes the pound is as cold and cheerless as a vestry in a new anglican church sometimes it affects a learned air lines its walls with books that no one ever reads and calls itself a library whatever form or phase it may take it never fails to chill the visitor there was naturally no fire in this apartment isola sank shivering into a slippery leather chair near the early english fender her husband walked up and down the narrow floor space this lasted for nearly ten minutes when gwendolen came bursting in a vision of splendour in a grey satin tea-gown frothed with much foam of creamy lace and pale pink ribbon making a cascade of fluffiness from chin to slippered toes what a most astonishing thing she cried after kissing isola and holding out both her plump white hands to the colonel have you dear good people dropped from the clouds i thought you were nearly three hundred miles away when the man came to say you were waiting to see me it is a miracle we are dining at home to-night we are so seldom at home of course you will stay and dine with us come up to my room and take off your hat isa no you needn't worry about dress anticipating disney's refusal i am going to dine in my tea-gown and daniel is only just home from the city you are very kind no my dear mrs hazelrig we won't dine with you to-night answered disney we have only just come up to town we drove across the park to see you before going to our hotel our portmanteau are waiting at the door we are in town for so short a time that i wanted to see you at once particularly as i have a rather foolish question to ask you his voice grew husky though he tried his uttermost to maintain a lightness of tone ask away said gwendolen straightening herself in her glistening grey gown a splendid example of modern elegance in dress and demeanour and altogether a more brilliant and imposing beauty than the pale fragile figure sitting in a drooping attitude beside the fireless hearth ask away repeated gwendolen gaily glancing at her sister's mournful face as she spoke if i can answer you i will but please to consider that i have a wretched memory you are not likely to forget the fact that i want to ascertain my wife and i have had an argument about dates we are at variance about the date of her last visit to you while i was away and i should like to settle our little dispute though it did not go so far as a wager when was she with you on what date did she leave you all hesitation and huskiness were gone from manner and voice he stood like a pillar with his face turned towards his sister-in-law his eyes resolute and inquiring 
oh don't ask me about dates cried gwendolen i never know dates i buy lets in every form year after year but i never can keep up my diary nothing but a self-acting diary would be of any use to me it was in december she came to me and in december she left after a short visit come isa you must remember the dates of your arrival and departure better than i you don't live in the london world you don't have your brains addled by hearing about buenos aires reading and philadelphia's bertha's bright nays and things martin disney looked at her searchingly her manner was perfectly easy and natural of a childlike transparency her large bright blue eyes looked at him fearless and candid as the eyes of a child you ought to remember that it was on the last day of the year i left this house said isola in her low depressed voice as of one weary unto death you said enough about it at the time did i oh i am such a featherhead tete de lenotte as they used to call me at dinan so it was new year's eve and i was vexed with you for not staying to see the new year in that was it i remember everything about it now thank you mrs hazelrig said martin disney and then going over to his wife he said gravely forgive me isla i was wrong he held out his hands to her with a pleading look and she rose slowly from her chair and let her head fall upon his breast as he put his arms round her soothing and caressing her my poor girl i was wrong 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 a sinner against your truth and purity he murmured low in her ear and then he added laughingly to gwendolen were we not fools to dispute about such a trifle all married people are fools on occasion answered mrs hazelrig i have often quarrelled desperately with daniel about a mere nothing not because he was wrong but because i wanted to quarrel that kind of thing clears the air like a thunderstorm one feels so dutiful and affectionate afterwards dan gave me this sapphire ring after one of our biggest rows she added holding up a sparkling finger daniel hazelrig came into the room while she was talking of him a large man with a bald head and sandy beard a genial-looking man pleased with a world in which he had been permitted always to foresee the rise and fall of stocks the hazelrigs were the very type of a comfortable couple so steeped in prosperity and the good things of this world as to be hardly aware of any keener air outside the gardenia scented atmosphere of their own house hardly aware of men who dined badly or women who made their own gowns much less of men who never dined at all or women who flung themselves despairing from the parapets of the london bridges mr hazelrig came into the room beaming looked at his wife and smiled as he held out his hand to colonel disney looked at his sister-in-law and smiled again and held out his hand to her the smile broadening a little as if with really affectionate interest i am very glad to see you my dear mrs disney but i can't compliment you upon looking as well as you did when we last met she is tired after her long journey said gwendolen quickly that's all there is amiss 
the sooner we get to our hotel the better for both of us said disney we are dusty and weather-beaten and altogether bad company good-night mrs hazelrig but surely you'll stop and dine it's close upon eight remonstrated hazelrig who was the essence of hospitality you can send on your luggage and go to your hotel later you are very good but we are not fit for dining out isola looks half dead with fatigue answered disney once more good-night he shook hands with husband and wife and hurried isola to the door be sure you come to me the first thing to-morrow said gwendolen to her sister i shall stay in till you come and i can drive you anywhere you want to go for your shopping stores lewis and allenby's anywhere i want to show you my drawing-room i have changed everything in it you'll hardly know it again she and her husband followed the departing guests to the hall saw them get into the little broom and drive off into the night and then gwendolen put her arm through her husband's with a soft clinging affectionateness as of a persian cat that knew when it was well housed and taken good care of poor isa how awfully ill she looks sighed gwendolen ghastly are all women alike i wonder gwen i think you ought to know what kind of woman i am by this time retorted his wife tossing up her head martin disney and his wife were alone in their sitting-room at the hotel somewhat bare and unhomelike as hotel rooms must always be despite the march of civilization which has introduced certain improvements he had made a pretence of dining in the coffee-room below and she had taken some tea and toast beside the fire and now at ten o'clock they were sitting on each side of the hearth face to face pale and thoughtful and strangely silent isla have you forgiven me he asked at last with all my heart oh martin i could never be angry with you never you have been so good to me how could i be angry but you have the right to be angry i ought not to have doubted i ought to have believed your word against all the world but that man raised a doubting devil in me i was mad with fears and suspicions wild and unreasonable as i suppose jealousy generally is i had never been jealous before great god what a fearful passion it is when a man gives himself up to it i frightened you by my vehemence and then your scared looks frightened me i mistook fear for guilt isola my beloved let me hear the truth from your own lips the assurance the certainty he cried with impassioned fervour getting up and going over to her looking down into the pale upturned face with those dark earnest eyes which always seemed to search the mysteries of her heart let there be no shadow of uncertainty or distrust between us i have heard from your sister that you were with her when you said you were that is much it settles for that vile cad's insinuated slander but it is not enough let the assurance come to me from your lips from yours alone tell me 
by the god who will judge us both some day are you my own true wife i am martin i am your own true wife she answered with an earnestness that thrilled him i have not a thought that is not of you i love you with all my heart and mind is not that enough and you have never wronged me you have been true and pure always i call upon god to hear your words isola is that true yes yes it is true god bless you darling i will never speak of doubt again you are my own sweet wife and shall be honoured and trusted to the end of my days thank god the cloud is past and we can be happy again she rose from her low seat by the fire and put her arms round his neck and hid her face upon his breast sobbing hysterically my own dear girl i have been cruel to you brutal and unkind but you would forgive me if you knew what i have suffered since noon yesterday and indeed my suffering began before then that man's harping on lost withiel's name in all his talk with you his air of meaning more than he said and your embarrassment awakened suspicions that had to be set at rest somehow remember the disadvantages under which i labour the difference in our ages my unattractiveness as compared with younger men these things predispose me to doubt your love i have not had a moment's peace since the night of that odious dinner-party yes i have felt a new sensation i know what jealousy means but it is past praise be to god it is past i have come out of the cloud again oh my love had it been otherwise had we been doomed to part what would you have done martin she asked in a low voice with her face still hidden against his breast his arm still round her what would i have done love nothing to bring shame on you nothing to add to your dishonour or sharpen the agony of remorse i should have taken my son my son could not be left under the shadow of a mother's shame he and i would have vanished out of your life you would have heard no more of us the world would have known nothing you would have been cared for and protected from further evil protected from your own frailty so far i would have done my duty as your husband to the last day of my life but you and i would never have looked upon each other again colonel disney and his wife stayed in london two days perhaps to give a colour to their sudden and in some wise unexplained journey but isola refused all her sister's invitations to lunch to drive to dine to go to an afternoon concert at the albert hall or to see the last shakespearean revival at the lyceum she pleaded various excuses and gwendolen had to be satisfied with one visit at afternoon tea-time when husband and wife appeared together on the eve of their return to cornwall 
it was too bad of you not to come to me yesterday morning as you promised gwendolen said to her sister i stayed indoors till after luncheon on your account and the days are so short at this time of year i couldn't do any shopping mrs hazelrig was one of those young women for whom life is flavourless when they have nothing to buy she was so well supplied with everything that women desire or care for that she had to invent wants for herself she had to watch the advertisements in order to tempt herself with some new wish were it only for a patent toast-rack or a new design in ivory paper-knives the stationers helped to keep life in her by their new departures in writing-paper papyrus mandarin telegraphic good form casual mauve orange scarlet verdigris green so long as the thing was new it made an excuse for sitting in front of a counter and turning over the contents of a showcase you never came to look at my drawing-room by daylight she went on complainingly you can't possibly judge the tints by lamplight every chair is of a different shade i think you have treated me shamefully i have sent you more telegrams than i can count and i had such lots to talk about have you heard from dinan lately not since august when mother wrote in answer to our invitation for her and father to spend a month with us i felt it was hopeless when i wrote to her utterly hopeless nothing will tempt her to cross the sea she writes about it as if it were the atlantic and lucy folkestone tells me she is getting stouter you mean mother yes naturally there's no fear of lucy ever being anything but bones mother is stouter and more sedentary than ever lucy says it's really dreadful one doesn't know where it will end added gwendolen looking down at her own somewhat portly figure as if fearing hereditary evil i shall have to take isa and the boy to dinan next summer said disney it is no use asking the father and mother to cross the channel though i think they would both like to see their grandson mother raved about him in her last letter to me replied gwendolen she was quite overcome by the photograph you sent her only she has got into such a groove her knitting her novel her little walk on the terrace her long consultation with toinette about the smallest domestic details whether the mattresses shall be unpicked to-day or to-morrow or whether the lessive shall be a week earlier or a week later it is dreadful to think of such a life added gwendolen as if her own existence were one of loftiest aims End of chapter fifteen